Welcome to Soul City Church again. My name is Kurt. I am not the moonwalking squirrel, I promise. Uh, I'm the director of Next Steps and Connections here. And before we get started today, uh, I just want to say, if you are a parent and you have entrusted your kids to the Soul City Kids team, that was a good choice. Uh, They are phenomenal. Your kids are well cared for. I'm not quite as biased as my wife, but up there. Uh, But they just have a great time upstairs. But we're going to have a great time together down here as we conclude our Begin Again series. And so, again, this is your first time. I'm just so glad that you're here. Uh, Today we're talking about one thing. And and it's one of those things that really has the power to transform our life. It's one thing that if you get this one thing right, it's going to change how you see work on Tuesday. It's going to change how you see your family relationships. It's going to change how you spend your time and your resources and your energy. Uh, This one thing could really set a direction for your life. It could set a direction for your life in a way that you are going to be happy of where you end up. It could also set a trajectory for your life where you're like, oh, that was not the best choice. This one thing has the power to influence how you see God, how you see what you do every day. It has the power to change how you view yourself. And if all those things are true, wouldn't you want to make sure you know what that one thing is? Wouldn't you want to make sure that you got that one thing squared away and settled? Wouldn't you want to make sure that you make sure that you spend the time and the focus to make sure you get that one thing right? The reality is, is the good news is that you have already started looking for this one thing. You actually know that you need this one thing already. You, you've probably at one point in your life said, I, I want to make sure I figure this one thing out. You've maybe even spent money and resources. You maybe gotten into relationships or maybe gotten out of relationships all because of this one thing. And that one thing is your purpose. And maybe nobody's asked you to think about your purpose, maybe since college, right, maybe. Or maybe you've had a moment, maybe recently, that has caused you to go, man, what am I here for? What am I spending my time doing? Why do I exist? What's the purpose of my life? We've all had those moments where, uh, if we're honest, we think purpose feels a little bit elusive, it maybe even is frustrating to talk about. Maybe it brings up some sense of disappointment you've maybe had. Maybe you're right now feeling a little bit stuck in your purpose. Maybe you're like, I don't know why I go to work each day. I don't know why I do these things. I feel like I'm just spinning my tires, and everybody else seems like they have a reason to get up in the morning, but not me. That's for people that are maybe further along in their career or further along in their family or more closely connected to God or more spiritual, but it's not for me. And the reality is that this morning, we're going to look at a story in the Bible where God shows us how we can actually discover our purpose. And it has different implications for each of us. It's unique specifically to you. Your purpose is not necessarily going to be the same as the person sitting next to you, even if you're in relationship with them. There might be something that God has uniquely called and wired and created you to do. But sometimes we've got to know where to start. And sometimes, even if life is good, maybe you're in a great job and you're making great money and you have a nice place to live and your family's going well, and and from the outside, it looks like life is going pretty smoothly. You might even have friends that kind of subtly but passive-aggressively remind you that they're envious of your life. And you've had that moment where things on the outside look pretty well put together, but when you try to fall asleep at night or when you're alone, that small voice in your head says, there's something more. There's a dream that you've put on the shelf. There's a reason that you've sidestepped. There's a distraction that you've given into that's taken you away from this one thing for you, from your purpose. 
And so we all know, whether we're in that moment now or we're, where we're stuck or maybe we are succeeding or maybe we're just searching and, and you're here this morning just asking, is it even possible to know what my purpose is? The reality is, is that we all know what it feels like to be stuck. And so where do we go when we're stuck? Where do, where do we turn? What sets the direction for your life? What we know we don't need is a good, well-meaning friend to come along and tell them how they got it figured out, right? What we don't need is the next best-selling book or diet pill. What we don't actually need is more information. What we need is clarity on direction. The purpose of purpose is actually most evident and most necessary in those moments when we need to begin again. When we realize that we've hit a wall, when we realize that something went the way that we didn't plan our life to turn out this way, that's when the purpose of purpose is not only most evident, but most necessary. The, the reality is I think God's going to show us this morning that, that we can discover what it means to have a purpose for our life, that you can actually go into this week with a new direction, with a new set of uh, values, a new sense of energy, perhaps, about how you live your life. It doesn't mean that once we walk out of these doors, magically by the power of God, everything in the world is going to change to perfectly align with your greatest hopes and wishes. That's not true. You may still have a ticket on your car if you didn't park in the right parking lot. Uh, but, you know, life is going to go on its way, but we can live our lives differently, right? The reality is that purpose reminds us when we have that feeling of where am I supposed to go? Purpose reminds us why we got started when we get stuck. When you have that sense of purpose and you get stuck, it reminds you why you got started in the first place. It draws you back to the very basics of saying, this is what I'm actually here for. And so like I said, we're going to look at a story out of the book of Nehemiah today. Um, and that is going to hopefully help us discover how we can discover our own purpose. It's going to show us the way about how Nehemiah discovered his, and hopefully that's helpful for you and me. And so if you brought a Bible, you can turn to Nehemiah chapter 6. If you have it on your phone, that's great as well. If you don't, uh, we got you covered. There's a blue Bible in the seat back pocket right in front of you. You can grab that, take it out. And Nehemiah chapter 6 in this blue Bible is actually on page 336. Uh, we're going to start in verse 1. And we say this every time. If you are serious about trying to have a relationship with God and you're investigating what it means uh, to trust and to follow Jesus with your life and you don't have a Bible that you can read and understand, uh, we would love for you to steal a Bible from church today. All right? It ups your street cred on the way out. You can brag about it at the Memorial Day barbecue tomorrow. So whether you're in here, whether you're in the corner classroom, uh, you can take that Bible. And if you want to take it home, you totally can. So grab a Bible, grab a pen, and uh, we're going to dive into this together. But again, this, this question about purpose, right? When we feel our sense uh, of stuckness, when we feel our sense of wondering, we want to know, how do we get going again? Where do we start again? Where do we look for direction? And so this passage that we're going to read today in the book of Nehemiah, I want to give you some context to it because we never come to a passage in the Bible just by itself. Something's always already happening. And so this passage is about a story of a guy named Nehemiah, very creative. He named the book after himself. So this is kind of like his travel journal. And so uh, there's nothing supernatural in this story. There's nothing mystical or even miraculous. It's simply a story of how something happened and a choice that Nehemiah made that helped him, helped him to pursue his purpose. And so if kind of that mystical, spiritual part, supernatural part of the Bible is difficult for you, you're going to love this story today. All right, so this is in about 444 before Christ, 444 B.C., and 
about 150 years before that, uh, in the city of Jerusalem, it was destroyed by the nation of Babylon. This is kind of the superpower of the day in about, you know, 580. And they came in and they destroyed the entire city of Jerusalem, broke all the walls down. And you're like, okay, big deal, you rebuild the wall. Well, the wall in those ancient cities is what actually protected them from outside forces. And so for 150 years, the nation of Israel, the city of Jerusalem, was open and vulnerable to outside influences. People would steal from them. Food shipments wouldn't get there. Uh, merchants would never want to come and trade in Jerusalem because it was just in ruins. But there were people still living amongst the rubble, kind of making a little shanty town of the city of Jerusalem. And so imagine for 150 years, three or four generations of people live without any sort of national identity, live without any sort of protection. They're constantly on the lookout uh, for being invaded by the next superpower. And so 150 years later, Nehemiah is working for the prince and the king, I mean, sorry, a king of Persia, which is the new superpower uh, that kind of replaced Babylon. And uh, so he's working for emperor of Persia, King Artaxerxes, which... Let's just give me a hand. I just said Artaxerxes. All right. So I'm just kidding. Artaxerxes actually literally translated means son of Xerxes. So if your name is Bob, you could name your son, son of Bob. Uh, and that would be kind of the same pattern. doesn't work as well in English. And so um, he's named Artaxerxes or the son of Xerxes. If you've seen the movie 300, uh, you are familiar with Xerxes. He's the guy that uh, they named the movie after. I don't think they meant the 300 Spartans. I think they were referring to the 300 facial piercings that Xerxes had in that movie. That's where it came from. All right. Uh, so Nehemiah is the cupbearer to King Artaxerxes, which is kind of like a blend between, uh, you know, bodyguard sommelier. That's kind of his little spot right there. So he would, he would taste the wine to make sure that it wasn't poisoned and no one was trying to kill the king. So the King Artaxerxes had placed a lot of personal trust in Nehemiah. He was a friend, a close confidant, uh, someone that worked very closely with the king. But Nehemiah was actually a Jewish slave. He wasn't an employee of the king. He wasn't a servant of the king. He was a slave to the king. But he gained trust and gained influence. And so he hears that Jerusalem, a place he had probably never been before, is in ruins. And it breaks his heart and it captivates his energy. And so he prays this incredible prayer to God and says, would you show me what I'm supposed to do about this? Because clearly for the last 150 years, nobody's done anything. Am I supposed to do something? And God shows Nehemiah that he's supposed to make this right. And so he goes to King Artaxerxes. Again, he's a slave, not an employee. And he says, hey, can I take an extended vacation indefinitely? Uh, oh, and by the way, could you write letters of recommendation for me and send me with a lot of money uh, and resources? Because I'm going to go rebuild this wall. Is that cool? And again, not an employee. He's a slave. But for some reason, Artaxerxes says, I trust you. You just got to come back. Do what you need to do. Build the wall, but you got to come back. And so Nehemiah goes, and in the first four chapters, five chapters of Nehemiah, we read that he is beginning to rebuild the wall. He brings the people of Israel together to rebuild this city wall. And so we pick up uh, in chapter 6, verse 1, and there are warring warlords around this area. And they're seeing that this wall is getting built. And they're not happy about it because now there's some protection. There's some sense of identity. There's some sense of calling that the people of Jerusalem are having. And so there's these three guys that we're going to read about, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab. All right, so Sanballat, another great name for a future son, if you have that, uh, or maybe, maybe a dog is better. I don't know. Um, but it says this in chapter 6, verse 1. 
When the word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had helped rebuild the, rest, rebuild the wall, and that there was not a gap left in it, though up to that point I had not yet set the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. So notice, Nehemiah has already structured all this rebuilding effort. He's gathered the people. The Bible says he set them up by family along points of the wall. Uh, they would watch, guard at night, and then build during the day. It was this incredibly uh, you know, momentum-building thing for the nation. And they're almost done. They've built the wall. They're just about to hang the doors in the gates. And this is when his enemies come to him. Come, meet in the villages on the plain of Ono. And you're going to find out Nehemiah said, oh, no. Uh, but they were scheming to harm me, he discovers. So I sent messengers out to them with this reply. Now, if you have a pen, underline this in your Bible. Even if it's not yours, it'll help somebody else out in the future. Underline this next phrase. I am carrying on a great project, and I cannot go down. I am carrying on a great project, and I cannot go down. Why should the work stop when I leave it and come down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. It's this powerful moment where Nehemiah realizes that, and this is true for your life and this is true for my life as well, that when we're pursuing our purpose, when we're doing something that matters, when we're doing a great project, the resistance doesn't just come before we start, although that can be there too, but it also comes right before we finish. Right before we finish, something's going to come to distract us, to set us in a new direction, to kind of keep us from completing what God has called us to do. And Nehemiah so crystal clearly says to the people that would distract him from what he's doing, I'm doing a great work. I'm good right here. I'm going to stick this out. I'm doing a great work. I'm carrying on a great project, and I cannot come down to you. Now, in his situation, right, they're, they're trying to hurt him, so they're enemies. So that's a little bit easier, perhaps. But if you think about it, if you read any good business book now, which Nehemiah, unfortunately, did not have his hands on, uh, which is, turns out well for him in the story, they would probably encourage him, hey, make nice with the ruling powers of that current area. Right? You, you want to be influential, right? Get to know people in power. Move to Chicago. That's how it's done there, right? So that's the situation that he's in. And, and it would have made sense, and it would have made sense for him financially. It would have made sense for him relationally. It would have made sense for him from a successful standpoint. But Nehemiah knew his, his focus, his purpose was not found in his success. His purpose was not even found in his well-being. His purpose actually wasn't even found in putting bricks on top of each other to build a wall. It was so much bigger than that. His purpose was found in helping accomplish a great work that God had set him towards, which was redefining the nation of Israel. And it was his. Anyone else could have done it in the previous 150 years. But Nehemiah knew that's what he was directed to do. And so there's a thing in that story where he realizes, I could go one way or I could go another. And it's purpose that reminded him why he got started when he's there, when he's in that situation of being stuck and someone's trying to distract him and pull him in a different direction. And I know for me, there was a time in, in my life where uh, doing what I was called to do felt a lot more like construction than I thought. Uh, maybe some of you were there, but when we first started this church and we just got in this building, uh, most of what we called church was construction. 
It was tearing down walls. It was scraping paint off of windows. It was sweeping up after each other. Uh, it was cutting pipes out of the ceiling that we thought were empty. Sometimes they weren't. That was disgusting. Um, and so it was this time where we would come together. Some of you were even there. And we said this phrase over and over again, that as we were building our church, this building, as we were, we were getting this building ready to, to host what God was going to do here, God was building our church. He was building us. And so many of you were there, you were, you were helping us out with this stuff, making this place uh, ready for a gathering like this. There's a picture of me. Uh, I don't know what's on the other side of that wall, but I was really excited to find out. Um, and I remember I texted a friend, and he said, you know, he was praying for us, and we had just moved here. He's like, how's it going, you know, starting Soul City, how's it going in Chicago? And I'm like, well, uh, so far, church planning requires a sawzall and a sledgehammer, so it's awesome. Um, <laughs> But, but that was, we can get the picture off the screen, that's disgusting, I'm a sweaty mess. Um, we hadn't installed air conditioning yet in the middle of summer 2010, it was good times. Uh, so, you know, but we, that, that was our story. That was what God was doing in and through us. And again, it wasn't, you know, our purpose was not make sure all the wires are out of the ceiling. The purpose was not make sure we move these walls. The purpose was not any of the tasks and construction work that we were doing. The purpose was that God was building our church. The purpose we were about was creating a place to lead people into a transformed relationship with Jesus, and that started with us. We were transformed in the process. And, and before that, Katie and I were actually student pastors at another church. And, and you're probably thinking, great, we're talking about purpose in church. Of course, you work for a church. Your job is purpose, right? Isn't that what you're supposed to do? You don't know what it's like for me. And that's true. I might not, but the reality was is even working at a church uh, before we moved here, you know, we worked at a church for four and a half years. And about halfway through that time, God was doing great things. Our youth group was, was growing. There was more and more students coming into the community and, and discovering life and their purpose in Jesus. Families were enjoying having us there, which is always good news for a student pastor when parents like you as well. Uh, you know, they were, they were putting money in our bank account every two weeks. It was awesome. We had a nice, comfortable life. But there was that voice, there was that stirring, there was that question of, aren't we made for more than this? Isn't there something else that God has? And, and it took risk, it took sacrifice, it was terrifying. Uh, you know, you get to $12.86 in your bank account, that's a tough spot, right? We were unemployed for a year building this church. But now it's hard to believe that that was even true because look at all of you. And it was this moment where I realized as I was writing this message and I'm thinking about that scenario and paralleling it to what's happening in Nehemiah and I'm going, of course this is what God would do. That he would invite us to participate in his mission, in his purpose and saying, Kurt, you have this part to play and person next to you, you have this part to play and you have this part to play in the grand purpose. And there's implications for all of us on a, on a large scale, but then there's also very personal and individual implications for you. And so when we're in those moments where things get difficult, because like I said, the world's not gonna radically, miraculously change as you walk out. You probably are still gonna go back to the same office on Tuesday, or you're gonna go back to the same desk at your house looking for a job on Tuesday. There's going to be that same coworker that just drags you down and annoys you and, def and deflates you. You're going to leave here today and, and your kids are going to be the same. You're going to go back to that relationship. You're going to go back to those bills. 
You're going to go back to those challenges. And what do you do in those moments? What do you do when your life doesn't look the way you had planned? What do you do? What's your purpose? Isn't it hard to find what your purpose is in those moments? Sometimes when, all, when you're trying to scrape by and just pay your rent, purpose is like a luxury. You're like, I don't have time to talk about that. I'm just trying to pay my bills. And if that's where you are this morning, I want to encourage you, there is still purpose for you. And it's actually in those moments when knowing and discovering your purpose is actually the most important because you're at that opportunity to begin again. And as we look at these stories in Nehemiah, we, we see the, the challenge. We know it in our own life. And, and the truth is, is that my circumstances may not always fuel my purpose, but my purpose can always influence my circumstances. My cir- your circumstances aren't always going to be perfectly laid out so that it helps you accomplish your dreams and purpose and focus. They're not. You're going to have distractions. You're going to have obstacles. You're going to have difficulty. But your purpose can always, always influence those circumstances. That, that job that you hate, let's just be honest, right? That, that job that you hate, that you just like, oh, the alarm comes too early and you're just working for the weekend. Luckily, you only have four days this week to work through the weekend. Um, you can influence that job. When you go into your job with purpose, you can actually change your environment at your job. That relationship that you're in that you're just like, I don't know if we're on the same page at all. When you discover and you settle on this one thing of what your purpose is in life, it makes it really easy to make relationship decisions. It actually makes it really, really simple. When you're trying to parent your kid and you're trying to figure out, okay, well, they got soccer and they got this and they need school supplies and they need new clothes because they keep growing. It's weird. They just grow out of things really, really fast. But there's also this opportunity for promotion at work. And you're balancing those things. You're making those choices. Knowing your purpose in the midst of that complexity is actually really important. It doesn't make the situation easier, but man, does it give you clarity and direction. It helps you make those decisions. It helps you make decisions that you won't regret. And so that's what's in the balance when it comes to our purpose. And you're like, okay, Kurt, I get it. I get it. I should have a purpose, but I don't. So help me, right? And many of us are in that, are in that spot. Some of you, what I love about our church is that some of you have done the hard work to discover your purpose. And you would tell those of us that might be feeling stuck this morning, yeah, I, I know that feeling. And, it, and it's hard and it's not easy but you know how to, how to get out of it is to go back to the basics. And, and I love that in this, in this verse, in, in Nehemiah, there's a very clear call to help us understand our purpose. So there's a card in the seat back pocket right in front of you. And I want to walk through some things that I hope will be really helpful for us as we try to discover our purpose together. That we try to discover our purpose together, I think Nehemiah is going to help point the way. Because the reality is, is that if we have a why to live for, we can get through anyhow. If we know what we're on the planet to do, if, if we actually choose to believe that the God of the universe has created us to do something special, to do something unique, to do something great, it helps us navigate through those circumstances. And so on the front of this card, nice and bold, is that declaration that Nehemiah made. I am doing a great work. I can't come down. 
And, and I hope that for, for all of us, myself included, that when we face difficulties this week, when we face distractions this week, when we face something that might be sending us in a direction that we never expected, we would be able to think about this verse and even say to ourselves, that's a, gr- that's a good thing over there, but I can't come down. That, that's a great opportunity if I go and pursue that over there. And that's great, but you know what? That's not for me. I can't come down. I'm doing a great work. I'm doing a great work. In my parenting, I'm doing a great work. In your marriage, you're doing a great work. In your job, even if it's just your day job and not your dream job, you can be doing a great work. And so on the back of this card are some questions that might help us discover what it is that our purpose is. What is it that makes you come alive? What's that thing that makes your, your, your blood run faster and your eyes open a little bit wider that makes you feel alive? What is that? It might not be what you get paid to do. It might not be. It might not be something that is the same as your best friend. But what makes you feel alive? What makes you feel like, this is it. This, I, I'm loving this. The next question, what one thing would you say is most important in your life? You do not have to say God just because we're in church. For you, for real, what's most important in your life? There's no right answer. This is not a time for guilt. This is a time for you to do some self-discovery. What is most important to you in your life? Is it the impact you make? Is it the money you make? Is Is it your family? Is it, is it your career? Is it what other people think of you? What matters to you? What's the most important thing to you in your life? Third question. It's kind of a surprising question, but I think it's really important. What wrong needs to be righted? What wrong needs to be righted that you see and, and, and it matters to you. It may not matter to your neighbor. It may not matter to your roommate. It may not matter to anybody at your job, but it matters to you. This is, I think, the question that motivated Nehemiah to take this huge risk and ask the king to let him go rebuild the wall. He saw something that was wrong. And he said, that, that needs to be right. It needs to be right in my lifetime. So what wrong needs to be righted? What can't you stand? What makes you angry? What, what just draws your attention to a laser focus and you're like, this should not be. There's something there. There's something there. That emotion is powerful that God has wired uniquely in you that you care about that thing. There's a wrong that needs to be righted. The last question. What small contribution can you make? You may not be able to fix everything. But what small contribution could you make like this week? Do you not like how business culture happens at your office? It's just a nasty place to work. Like, oh, my job, it's terrible. Everybody's backbiting, it's terrible. Everybody's just trying to step on each other to get to the top, it's terrible. Okay, that's a wrong that needs to be righted. What small contribution could you make on Tuesday? That, that, that you can go in with a new sense of purpose You can't fix everybody, but you can fix the people you talk to. You can fix those interactions. You can bring light and hope 
and belief rather than suspicion and gossip and judgment. What wrong needs to be righted that you see in your world and how can you make a small contribution to that this week in your family, at your workplace, in your relationships, in our city? And what I, what I love about this is that the reality is, and I, I had to learn this the hard way just to be honest, is that my purpose, your purpose, it always involves you, but it never revolves around you. That my purpose always involves me, but it never revolves around me. It's never just about me, but it always involves me. There are things that God entrusted Nehemiah to do that weren't getting done until Nehemiah took his risk. And so maybe there's a risk you need to take. Maybe there's that whisper in your head and your heart that's saying, yeah, it's time to step out, take a risk, make a sacrifice. Maybe for you it's learning and discovering what it is that you're uniquely wired to do. Taking these questions and, and mulling over them and writing some things out. Maybe there's a dream that if you're honest, you were passionate about at one time. And then life got busy, focus got cloudy, other things came up. Maybe it's time to take that dream off the shelf and begin again. Maybe it's time to, to move past I'll get to it and say, it's a great work. I need to do it now. Maybe what it is that you're already doing, even though it's challenging, even though it's difficult, maybe what you're already doing is actually a step in the direction of your purpose. But because it's been challenging or frustrating, you assume that that wasn't what God had for you because it was hard. Resistance always comes when you're doing a great work. And so maybe the best step for you in taking your purpose to the next level this week is simply to say to yourself, maybe out loud, probably not to your boss, I wouldn't recommend that, but say, no, I cannot come down. I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. I'm doing a great work. And so my encouragement to you is to take this card this week and to put it wherever you feel most purposeless. And that's a risk too, right? I'm actually going to move in the direction of where I feel most purposeless and put a reminder from the God who created me that says, you were made for more. So maybe it's in your bathroom mirror. Maybe that's a hard place for you when you get up in the morning. That's a hard place for you to find purpose. Maybe you need to put this there. Maybe it's at your desk near your computer where you're so easily distracted by other things. You need to remind yourself. Maybe it's on the dashboard of your car. Maybe it's near you when you have to make that difficult phone call or when you get invited to go back to that same group of friends and do that same old thing again that you swore you'd never do again. Maybe you need this card in that season, in that spot, in that moment. But the good news is, is that God has designed and desires for you to have something that you say, this is a great work. It's a great work. And what I love is that we're a part of a community where there's so many people who do not have it all figured out. They would tell you that they're as messed up as you are. They have just as many questions as you, as you do. But they have intentionally taken steps towards fulfilling the purpose they feel God's put ahead of them. I love that we have many people in their third season, third quarter of life, that are moving back into the city to invest in the younger generation. And say, I haven't gotten it all figured out, but if you can learn from my mistakes... I want to be used by God in your life. So they're, they're moving back into the city to be 
a part of what's happening here. I love that there's so many people that have said no to better paying jobs to go pursue jobs in the same field that help a different kind of person. People that are overlooked, under-resourced. They quit private schools to work for overlooked schools. They quit hospitals to go work overseas. That instead of just doing what they think is gonna lead to success, they discover what leads to purpose and pursue that. And it's maybe been a challenging road for them but they would tell you it's worth it. So could you imagine what it would be like if you lived this next week, if you could live from this moment forward in your life with a clear sense of where you're headed, a clear sense of why you're there, a clear sense of why you have that job, even if you don't like it, a clear sense of why you should be or shouldn't be in that relationship, a clear sense of the opportunity God's given you in your family, on your block, in your neighborhood, or in this church? What would it be like for you? What would change? If you could say, I, I know what my great work is and I'm not gonna get distracted. I, I know where I'm headed and I'm gonna pursue it. I know what God's gifted me uniquely and specifically to do, and so I'm gonna put it to work. And, and, and so I'll tell you this, especially if you're a first time guest here or if you've been here for a while, if, if you want a place it will be a great incubator for your purpose, you're sitting in it. So find a place that you can use your gifts. Find a place where you can discover in community what it means to go after what God's created you to be. Get in a circle even this week where you can ask these questions. What makes you come alive? What wrong do we need to write together? What small contribution can we make? The good news is that God has a purpose for your life. The better news is that he wants you to know what it is. And the best news of all is that you're probably already on that, on that path. You probably are. You probably are already taking steps in that direction. But for many of us, we shouldn't get distracted. We gotta know, I'm doing a great work, so I'm not gonna come down. The purpose reminds us why we got started when we get stuck. So let's pray together and ask God to lead us this week. Heavenly Father, that's my prayer for myself. That when circumstances don't turn out the way I wish they would, when pain or complexity or confusion cloud purpose and make it seem like it's just a luxury, God, those are the moments that I need it. God, those are the moments that I need you. So would you direct us? Would you spark new thoughts in our mind? Would you raise passions in our hearts? Would you open our eyes to see the world the way you do, that we could see things that are not right, that need to be righted, and that would give us energy? And God, would you give us courage? Would you give us courage when the distractions and the obstacles come to say like Nehemiah did, what God has called me to is a great work and I can't come down. I'm gonna stay on the path. I'm gonna stay focused. God, we hope that by doing that, we would feel the purpose that you've given to us and we could fulfill it. But no matter what the task is, no matter what the, 
venue is, no matter where it is that we are fulfilling our purpose, God, we know ultimately our purpose is to reflect you. That when we take those steps of courage and faith, we show the world who you really are. We show them that you're good. We show them that you're faithful. We show them that you desire to be in relationship with us. So God, if there's anyone here this morning that feels purposeless, that feels disconnected from you, God, as we sing to you, would you just make yourself present? Would you make yourself known to us? God, we love you and we're grateful that you give us a reason to live. It's because of you, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.